0: live from my kitchen, where you'll probably pick up numerous background noises as I have a gas guy working on my gas leak here in the basement, but to no avail. We are here for MAC Summer Basketball Playoff Preview. We've got a big show for you in store. We're going to start with a week six recap to nail down those playoff matchups, then we're going to do the outlook for the upcoming playoffs, as well as give out some awards. Let's get started with the week six recap where we have Evans and Wood. This is the super simple best game of the week. Win, you're in. Lose, you go home. By the unheralded team Evans led by Luke Bumgartner and the rest of the Bumgarnettes and team Woods who was the preseason favorite needing a win to secure their spot. As the game tips off, we'll see that Woods does have their top five, their top five being Matt Morris, Lucas Poker, Jack Spooner, and Austin Minor, as Team Evans has their full suite of seven players, Bumgartner, Adam Wall, Michael Simons, Richard Meehan, John Schwartz, and then Tom Streeb. Due to my laziness, I don't know we don't pick up the game 90 seconds in, but this time we needed a pickup because Adam Wall picks up two fouls in the first 90 seconds. He does stay in the game, and he does manage for eight whole minutes to not foul, but he does pick up his third foul with 10 minutes left, meaning that Adam Wall is sitting the rest of the half. However, this doesn't seem to affect Team Evans as they're up about 10-12 at this point and maintain their entire 12-point edge all the way to halftime. An M.A.C. favorite pastime time does lead us to the 30 seconds left, one shot, but we're going to try to work our way into getting a foul shot called on the defensive block. As Morris says, Rams one of Team Evans' players. No call, no need for a call. Looks at the ref, stink eyes him, and then goes back for one more. This time, gets the call. Former governor steps up to the line, promptly misses the front end of the one and one And as Rasheed Wallace might say, ball don't lie. Despite Team Woods being down 12 at half, they do come out firing. Morris misses another one right out of the gate to make him 0 for 7 for his first 3-7 three-point shots. He does finally connect on his eighth, and then Polker hits another one. And Team Woods does start working its way back. They get it all the way down to five points. And then inexplicably... I don't know what the hell happened, but Adam Wall just magically dropped the rebound. When he dropped the rebound, then he committed his fourth foul in the scramble as the other guy took the ball, put it back up for an and one, and there we have it, Adam Wall back to the bench. This time Wall heads to the bench with about 12 minutes to play, and Evans only up two points at this point. From minute 12 to minute 5, nothing too remarkable happens as Team Evans at the five-minute mark just misses two run-out layups, and this allows Team Woods to actually take a three-point lead with three minutes and 30 seconds to go. We're going to skip ahead to the two-minute mark where Team Woods still has a two-point advantage And John Schwartz. This pull-up for a three-pointer nails the three-pointer for the big swing as Team Evans goes up one point with 90 seconds to play. This leads to Team Woods calling a timeout to get their play in order. 90 seconds left, down one. They're inbounding the ball, and on the inbound, Polker turns the ball over, back over to Team Evans. Now Team Evans with the ball, up one. Then Team Woods has to foul two or three times to eventually get Simons to the line to shoot the one-and-one. One. Simons makes the first to go up two points. Then he misses the second, and the ball starts scooting around and squirms out and eventually rolls out of bounds, and the ball is two-team Dennis Evans up two now with the ball. They inbound the ball to Luke Bumgartner. He makes both free throws up four, and that pretty much seals the deal. Team Evans wins. They're through. Team Woods is out, and the number one seed coming into the season is out, not even making the play. Playoffs. Not only that, but it was the consensus that Gary Wood also was the best captain. So Gary Wood, what are you going to do in the fall season to redeem yourself? Morris, where are you going to slide in the draft? Polker, did you just age overnight? Is Gary Wood's herky-jerky style officially dead? Do the refs just hate Gary Wood? Could Austin Minor get a few more shots up? And I think Jack Spooner, who I haven't even mentioned yet, he probably had the most points this game as he was cleaning up the garbage all night long on probably his way to 20 points. But a lot of questions going into the Fall League for this aging group as they uh, as they eye the over-45 NACAD League, possibly. Our next game up was pretty uneventful as Team Weckbach does take down Team Albers by 15. They were up comfortably the whole game. Uh, no Grave Glinsy for Albers. They just really couldn't get any, any momentum going. No Jack Barton for Weckbach. But final nail in the coffin came as Chip Weimer decided he had enough playing basketball tonight and got himself a technical with about six minutes left. And with the team only having five players, he had to sit to two and a half minutes, which meant they only had four players and already being down 20, 25 points. That put an end to that game as Weckbach does get the W. The third game is Halday versus Altman, and how they end up taking care of business versus Altman, But it didn't start that way as team Oltman rushes out to a 15 point lead halfway through the first half. And then Sean Connolly decides to take a breather, sits down with about 10 minutes and instead of taking his normal two minute break, took about a six to eight minute break and during that six to eight minutes, Altman's lead went from 15 points down to four in about that seven to eight minute period. I'm not sure why they went that way. Connolly said he was in foul trouble, but he only had two fouls. And I just don't think of sitting six to eight minutes there watching your team's lead just dwindle down to nothing was probably the right move if I were the captain of this team. But don't worry, Oltman has other interesting decisions coming up in the second half, which we will definitely put under a microscope. But we do make it to halftime. Oltman up one. As we enter our way into the second half oldman's offense really just slows down to a halt uh holiday's playing their their normal game but oldman really just can't seem to get anything going so luke pope tries to take things into his own hands and i kid you not luke pope went for the unguarded uncontested three-point shot yes that luke pope who's also been in the DeBrick running fires up a three-pointer and i kid you not i don't think this thing got halfway to the rim as it drops into the other team and with the offense really sputtering like this, they stayed with Pope most of the second half, despite Brian Rogers' pretty solid first half. Uh, we all know Brian Rogers' uh, defensive days are probably waning, but they really needed some offense. And to see Rogers sit most of the second half as their offense goes nowhere, we just got more questions for Altman and seeing what kind of changes he's going to put in place as his team does play in the quarterfinals tonight. So I'll be interested to see what that mix of of his rotation could look like now that they're not gonna have Connolly and already struggling on offense. Is Brian Rogers gonna get a bigger role? Is there gonna be more Altman, Tom Martin, pick and roll, three-point action? They're really gonna need to come up with some new offense and we'll see if Garrett Walker can't get rolling. He shot a couple deep, deep threes and I just think they needed a little bit better flow to their offense. They got some creators, they got some playmakers, but Holiday's defense and length really shut them down. Our final game featured the winless Andrew Schwartz versus the fighting Larsons. Both these teams really struggled with attendance, as they were both missing Ross and LeAndre on Larson's side of the ledger. And Andrew Schwartz's team has been without Chris Turley the entire season. So it wasn't the most high-quality basketball game, but a really important game, as this really did determine the bye. If Larson wins this game, they're in control of their own destiny. They do get the bye. If they lose and Schwartz gets their first win of the season, it does bump Weckbox team into that number one seed. So a lot of implications of this game, despite it missing out on a number of high-quality MAC ballers. Not too many highlights in this game, but we do have Schwartz up one at halftime. They maintain their lead through halftime, but I do want to get to the one huge highlight that we have, as we do have our first in-game dunk, as Luke Hornup does pick off the pass and go coast-to-coast for the two-handed jam. And for all two people in attendance, he did get a nice uh, oon and ah out of the big attendance from this game. But congrats to Luke. It was a sweet dunk. I'm glad to see it. Glad he's back, and can't wait to see him in the Fall League. Now we're on to our all-important playoff preview. First game of the night, big game here. We got Team Larson versus Team Albers. I did go ahead and request lineups for today, so these odds do reflect the lineup changes that I am aware of, both on the championship odds and the game line. We are missing a couple key components as Max and Leandre and Kevin Campbell are all out for Team Larson. Meanwhile, Team Albers is missing their sixth and seventh man in Spencer and Terrence Freeman. So, we're gonna have a five on five matchup tonight, so that's always fun in the playoffs. There are no subs allowed, so let's go over these matchups how I think they're gonna be played out. And let's go ahead and get started at the big man position. We're gonna have Ben Albers versus Drew Pikey, two big guys. Gonna be battling it out down low pikey a little more of the outside shot albers wants to get in low and work on that deep positioning so i'm really going to be curious how this matchup plays out with only five people fouls could be an issue and if albers gets deep position on you he is going to force you to foul him or really make a tough contest albers also very good second jumper if he's going to get that offensive rebound and getting those offensive rebounds down low could stack the fouls on pikey this leads to the other big matchup. We're going to have Greg Lindsay versus Ross Knudsen. These are two leaders and primary creators on these teams. I'm going to have to give the edge over here to Ross, but Greg Lindsay's been playing fantastic this year, been shooting well, been the really creator on the team. So I'm really curious if Ross can slow down Lindsay with his length or if these are just going to be maybe two A-plus guys going at it all game long. It's going to be a great matchup between these two. Next, we're going to work our way to the Weems Larson matchup. And these have two distinctly different styles. Larson's, you know, slow, methodical, patient. Weems, get the ball, run, make tough layups, and transition. Larson's number one goal really needs to be just getting back on D. He can't be giving up any fast breaks to Weems because that is where his bread is buttered. He's had a great season on that, as Lindsay's really found him on a number of outlet passes. Next, we have the majerus Ungaro matchup, and this is really the wildcard matchup. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Both these guys want to get their shots up. Majerus is finding his way, finding where it makes sense for him to score, and has been a three-point shooter this season as well. Not to be outdone by Zach, who's actually had a great season himself. He's been hitting a ton of three-point shots. So I'm really curious how this matchup is going to play out. And the winner of this individual matchup could be the difference maker in the game. Finally, leading to our fifth matchup, where we got Brian Albert versus Nick Bauer. I think Nick Bauer's been trying to work his way into that over 40 matchup, so the Brian-Albert-Nick Bauer combo can be seen on a regular basis. Uh, but we'll see if Albert can take advantage of Bauer's height or lack thereof. I know personally Albert put a few uh, layups on top of my head last week, so see if he can take advantage of probably the biggest mismatch on the court this evening. That leads us to the final line of the game, as I do have Albers as a six and a half point favorite, and the over-under is coming in at 141. So see you tonight at 530 for Larson. Albers, The Nightcap, Evans, Altman. Altman without Sean Connolly though. So that's definitely going to move the line. I'd say that moves the line four or five points. Connolly their number one person and really the first creator, the guy that really serves the drink for them. So it's going to be tough. But that's all the insights I have because I reached out to team Evans, not a word. Straight crickets, no idea who should. Don't know if this means they're trying to mask the fact that Bum's not going to make it. Maybe Wall's not going to be there. They're trying to put up a smoke screen, but absolutely nothing out of Team Evans. So it makes me wonder if I should knock them down a point or two artificially just because I think possibly by the way they're acting, maybe Connolly or Wall aren't there. So let's hit the matchups. At the point guard position, we got Michael Simon versus Alex Oltman. Two small, quick, shifty young guards with a lot of energy. This is going to be a fun matchup all night long. Can't wait to see who gets the better of each other here. Then we're going to move to the big guy matchup where we got Tom Martin who wants to play a little bit on the outside. Your traditional stretch five as we have here at the MAC versus your traditional big man in Adam Wall. Be curious who's going to win, if it's going to be the inside or the outside. Then we're going to move to a kind of our swing position here with Luke Pope versus John Schwartz. Everyone knows Pope wants to bruise down low. And then Schwartz, good outside shot. He likes to get his shots up. We'll see if it will be falling for him. He had a big shot last week, so I'm curious how that matchup works out. Then we have our Brian Rogers, Dennis Evans matchup. And this could be Evans, maybe it's Meehan, maybe it's Stribe, maybe it's Shepard. Not really sure who's going to have this, but really just to make sure that their job is to lock down Brian Rogers. Next is our prime grade A plus primo matchup, where we got Garrett Walker, the newbie, versus Luke Bumgartner. Luke Bumgartner, without question, the best player in this game. But Garrett Walker likes to get into people, and I'm hoping his defensive tenacity may be able to slow Bum down. Could make for a great matchup and if Garrett can even hold this close that may be enough for them to pull out the big w short-handed final line on this is evans minus four and a half led by the exceptional luke bumgartner and we're going to have the over under i think it's gonna be a little more low scoring we are going to have the over under at 121. now onto the all important championship odds as we've been tracking this all season long first let's go to the playoff line That column was what I saw after the playoffs were announced, before I knew what any of the lineups were. And based on that, I actually had myself, Team Weckbach, as the leader in the clubhouse, slightly over the other by winner, Tom Holliday. And that is basically done because Team Holliday is going to have to face the winner of Albers and Larson, and Weckbach got the winner of evans Old. I just have Albers and Larson both being superior teams to Altman and Evans. So I really thought that that gave us, my team, an advantage of having to play the winner of evans Altman, and then only having to play one of what I consider the three best teams, Albers, Larson, or Holiday. And I saw it was a huge advantage for us and a big win for Team Schwartz. Thank you very much as that moved us from the three seed where we're going to have to play two of these three teams into the one seed where we now only have to face one of those three teams. And it's just really tough sledding for Albers and Larson's as they have to take down three of the best teams available. They have to play each other, and then if they win, then they get Halliday, and then most likely they get our team in the finals. So really tough road, which is why we had Team Albers at 12-1 and Team Larson's at plus 550, even though reasonable people could think that Team Larson's at full strength has the best team. But you can see on the quarterfinal lineup column that this all flipped. And that is because Team Larson is going to be without two of their better players. And that flips to being Team Albers going to be ahead of Team Larson despite them being the better team on paper with everybody being there. But you don't see the odds dramatically change because you still have to face Team Holiday next. The other big thing that you see is Holiday does pass Weckbach up for the most likely winner. We do have Team Holiday as the better team versus Weckbach, but they just had a little bit harder road, and that's why Weckbach got the advantage before we knew the lineups. Now the most likely outcome is going to be Albers beating Larson's. We think Larson is the superior team, but aren't going to make it through due to attendance. So now Holiday has an easier matchup against Team Albers, and if they were to win that, then they'll most likely take on Team Weckbach or even a lower grade opponent in Evans or Altman. So we do now have Team Holiday in the driver's seat as a three to one odds. Weckbach at plus three twenty five. Then we have our two middling teams that are going to challenge Team Holiday in the semis. That's Albers and Larson's. And then finally, we have the two, uh, they make the playoffs. Hey, they made the playoffs. We have Evans and Altman rounding it out. You can get some sweet odds there. And just one last call out, Team Woods did not make the playoffs, even though coming into it as a plus 175 favorite. Uh, Team Shores who we accurately identified as a 31 long shot, they did not make it, weren't really even that close. But kudos to Altman for being a 40-1 dog out of the gate and finding that Garrett Walker to push them into the playoffs with those 40-1 to 1 odds out of the gate. So I think we did a good job. We, we missed on Woods. We didn't think they were going to get that old that quickly. But outside of that, we do have what I pretty much considered the best team on paper, that plus 220 Larson's, if they were all there, but just attendance issues killed them the entire season. And then we had our middling teams, and that was Weckbach and Holiday had a little bit better attendance and uh came started 10 to 1 and 6 to 1 out of the gates, and now they find themselves with the buys. So gonna have a great playoffs. Can't wait to see how all of this plays out, see what maturations happen, and see what upset eventually happens so everyone can make fun of me for predicting the wrong amount. Because all the games that I predicted last week's due to attendance and weird issues, I got a number of them wrong. So I expect to get more things wrong here in the playoffs. And with that, we're gonna move on to some awards we have. As you might remember, we have our and of Fool playing our way into shape first all team. We had Greg Lindsay, Chris Turley, Sean Connolly, Luke Hornoff, and Mike Grinnon in the lineup. I think four of these five guys made their way all the way through. Lindsey, I think, was even in better shape coming out of the gate than he let on. I think he was trying to push his draft stock down. He played fantastic all year. Sean Connolly may just play better with an extra 15 pounds available. And Luke Hornoff, who just hadn't played at all, really knocked the rust off after three or four games and had a fantastic season down the stretch, including that two-handed jam. Uh, and Grinnan at center. This is the first time Grinnan actually had some real help and some real players on his team as people finally quit overdrafting him based on his uh, national championship record, might I add. So reason to overpick, but finally found himself with uh, Ben Kratz and Eric Peridowski really setting him up and putting him in a really good position for his skills to show off. Uh, so we went four for five there as Chris Turley made his way MIA through most of the season. Then we're going to go on to the Udonis Haslam Keep Getting Those Checks Award for the Outstanding Aging Ballers. We had Hall of Fame Brian Rogers, Brian Albert, Mike York, Ross Knudsen, and Living Legend Gary Sextro. I'm going to go ahead and give this to Brian Rogers. In Week 3, we saw Brian Rogers pull a 25-point outcome, which I'm sure included seven three-pointers to win their Week 3 game. So I'm going to go give it to Brian Rogers on the fact that you can be in this club and get 25 points still. Ross still one of the best players out there, just giving him some uh, hell as he works his way into the over 40 club. We have the Shane Battier intangible glue guys. This was led by Alan Schneider, Tim Wells, Max Barreto, Tom Sahey, and Dan Lett. We're just going to throw out some good things that I saw throughout the year for them. Tim Wells just doesn't get a lot of shots up with the team he was on. Uh, With all the shots coming from Morris, Polker, and Wood, there just wasn't a lot available for him. And then with, uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Spooner. Spooner's getting his shots up off all the garbage stuff. There just wasn't a lot there for Wells. So I want to give Wells a shout-out to the Week 4 matchup, I believe it was. And that Week 4 matchup, they only had five players. And Tim Wells knew it was like, hey, i got to actually shoot the ball and part of the offensive cog here. and hit a number of baseline Js. So shout-out to Tim Wells for that uh, Week 4, Week 5 matchup where he did get his shots off. Max Roto played solid all year, and I'm sure Team Larson's going to be missing him dearly tonight. Tom Sahe, the free throw shooting legend, really was a strong player for us this season. And uh, Dan Lett, former president Dan Lett, I believe it was week three, he had three three three-pointers in a row and went for the ultimate heat check. And unfortunately for this heat check, Dan Lett's uh, four three-point shot, I do not believe, got above the top of the rim. But nonetheless, Dan Lett had a great year stretching that range out. He does need all day to shoot. But when you play center and the guy's down low, you actually have all day to shoot. So watch out for Dan Letton, his three-point shot. Uh, I'm going to give the winner this year to Alan Schneider of Team Schwartz. And Team Schwartz just didn't have the talent this year. But they got the big win last week to give them one win on the season to get off the Schneid. As Alan Schneider put down two big three-pointers to get them the win. And anytime you can get your team from zero to one wins, you get the winner award in my book. Next is the Jokic steal of the draft. Uh, we had the top. Leonde Johnson came in with all the hype, and it was probably a good shot to get it, but just had too many attendance issues, so we can't give it to him. Tilly and Barreto played fine, but nothing, nothing to shake a stick at there as they were six to one odds. Then we walk our way into an interesting one. We have Majerus picked at ten to one, and a little timid out of the gates, but he's really been firing here lately. So Majerus, if you got Majerus at ten to one for the Jokic steal of the draft, I can get behind that. Austin Minor at twelve to one. Well, your team didn't make the playoffs, so you're out. Whitehill played really well at 15-1 odds. A really quick, shifty point guard. He's going to be fun to watch here in the playoffs. Uh, Grossman, a solid role player. 6th-7th man at 21 is probably not going to do it. And then we get down to our two really interesting unknowns. Uh, Garrett Walker and Nick Babich, both at 20-1. If you found these two guys late in the draft, these were the two steals. Majerus at 10-1 was also fantastic. So those are really your big three right there. I'm going to go ahead and give this to Nick Babich as his team did get the bye and just played fantastic down the stretch. A big guy that can bruise down low, and I had no idea, but apparently can also shoot a three-pointer. So despite Garrett Walker's early returns out of the gate, I'm actually going to give this to Nick Babbick for his season-long run and just all-around great play. The Rasheed Wallace ball-don't-lie tea time. We only have two technicals that I'm aware of, Jeff Weimer and Luke Bumgartner, but we had a couple near-technicals. I think Gary Wood was a near-technical three weeks uh, Jack Martin was near technical at least two weeks. And Greg Lindsay, I don't know how he didn't get that technical the one game. I guess the, uh, the referee guys were on his side. But right now we have a tie with only two technicals, a Jeff Weimer 8-1 to and Luke Bumgartner at 15-1. to Nobody off the board did pick up a tech that I'm aware of. Moving on to the Brick Award, I am firmly in the grasp of the Brick Award starting the season. I believe it was 3 for 16 from the free throw line. But don't worry, I am on a heater right now as I've been 5 for my last 6. So remember that if we go into the hack of Shack. Newcomer of the year, we're going back to Nick Babik so far. Um, and then moving on to most outstanding player, this is always the Luke versus Ross Award in this case. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to uh, Ross this time around. Fantastic play uh, throughout this uh, summer session. And MVP, I'm going to give this to Greg Lindsay, uh, probably could have got picked a few spots higher based on how he's been playing this year and has really been the driving force of Albers' team that was really looking at going 5-1 and one before he missed the final week of the season. And that's a wrap on our MAC Playoff Preview. I am your host, Drew Weckbach. Hope to see you down at the MAC tonight for some great hoops. And we'll be back with your reaction from these quarterfinal games.